Amen. Once again, we are in our study, World Religions, Colts, and the Occult, number 13. Mary, I didn't even look at you. Two, yeah, look at that. And of course, the part two is the tagline we're now in with the untold history of the charismatic movement. The first uh, volume, of course, our first study was uh, dealing with the aberrant beliefs and behaviors, and we're still kind of into that. But this one is an exhaustive study of taking a look at this history. This is not, as we've been looking at the facts, a new movement of God. That's why it's so weird and strange to you because this is the latest move of God's spirit in these last days. And that ain't true. As we've been seeing for over all these years, folks, it's been going on throughout history uh, and then of course they say the big event was the Zuzu Street Revival the turn of the last century and they want to say that's from God it wasn't the whole nine yards then we saw that the charismatic movement began to split and spread all over the place and it began to give birth to a lot of uh, un- false teaching including uh, false gospels okay and one of them we saw clearly was the oneness Pentecostalism that was birthed out of the Azusa Street Revivals that was one of the many splits uh, going on and, and again by way of why do they split so much in this community? Because once again, unity is right here. How do you get people from different walks of life, different backgrounds and whatever, and they're all saved, different ages, different, you know, how do you get unity? It's right here. It's centered around the word of God. Be like-minded. How can you be like-minded as the scripture tells us to be? Right here. Okay, but the problem is they say they follow the Bible, but they go outside the Bible with the whole premise of God told me to tell you, or I had a vision, I had a dream, I'm a prophet, I'm an apostle, I got a new word from God. No, you don't. All you need is right here. Now, when you get out of here, that's why, because now man's making it up, and we're going to see that uh, clearly even tonight. But again, that's what we saw, of course, with one of this Pentecostalism. It is not Christianity. It is not by grace. It is by works. So these are pseudo-Christians, fake Christians, false Christians. You have to uh, be baptized in order to be saved. That is a work. You have to speak in tongues to be saved. That is a work, okay, on and on. Then we saw, okay, at the same time, you had another uh, popular charismatic denomination pop on the scene through these splits and that was the assemblies of God that's where we've been and we've been taking a look at the assemblies of God that uh, with all due respect they say that Azusa Street was a wonderful movement of God we took a look at the facts and was that true I don't think so not at all not even close I wouldn't want to have that in my history uh, highlights okay then they said it was an interracial revival such unity among the different races we saw that wasn't true either when you investigate the facts and then we saw typically what goes on the charismatic circle certainly the assembly of God is they believe that you need a second dose of the Holy Spirit and somehow that, that second dose of the Holy Spirit, uh, the evidence of that is speaking in gibberish, okay? And uh, typically, they also believe that you can lose your salvation, which again, how far can you push that when you're not truly trusting in grace and Jesus' work on the cross alone? Because you're saying basically, yeah, maybe you, you don't get there by your works, uh, but you can work yourself out of it. Well, that still works. It's either Jesus or nothing okay so that's a concern but then we may begin to take a look at the people coming out of this particular uh, denomination we already dealt with one is Pentecostalism we dealt with people called uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker has that with all due respect been a blessing to the body of Christ not what I see with that Paul and Jan Crouch Jessica Hahn Jimmy Swagger and last time uh, Steve Hill and the Brownsville Revival which was a spinoff from the Toronto Revival which later led to what was called the Lakeland Revival with another guy Todd Bentley his wife who had a radical 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 elephant vision remember that one it's like whoa I tell you wow okay now what and we saw that they keep wanting to repeat this event called the Zuzu Street Revival Okay, which was not good, but yeah, and the ones that they keep coming up with are not good as well. Uh, that's the one thing that's consistent. Then we took a look at the largest 
church, quote, in the world, another assembly of God, and that's with David, also known for some reason as Paul, Young E. Cho, that's from South Korea. And we saw there were some issues with that. Then, of course, we left off with the big teaser, Mr. Benny Hinn. Okay, and that's where we're going to pick up tonight. Okay, and but before we do that, let's get acquainted because the premise again, you got a new word, a new vision, or God told me to tell you and all that stuff. Is that something that really is new? And is it something that God really blesses? No, I don't think so, especially if you read the Bible, what a concept. Open your Bibles to Ezekiel 13. And, and what you're going to see is God... Uh, had to, and multiple times, rebuked the, the so-called prophets of Israel and uh, who were making things up. And they basically, I would, to use a, a New Testament term, they were hirelings. They didn't really care about God's truth. They were doing things that were, it was all just nice. Tell the people nice things, even though everything's crumbling apart. Tell them nice things, and, and then it'll be for your benefit. Uh, people will like you, or that you could have a livelihood off of that. So, and God rebukes these people very sharply. Uh, but Ezekiel 13, let's take a look, and tell me if this doesn't sound familiar uh, with what is typically going on in the charismatic movement today. But it says this, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are now prophesying and say to those who prophesy, here it is, out of their what? Out of their own imaginations. Now, can, can you, what, do you, what, what does that mean? You're making it up. Does that sound familiar? Folks, I'm telling you, when you say, I had a dream with Oral Roberts and this elephant was radical, radical. You're making that up. I'm sorry. Okay, or you ate some chicken and whatever. But anyway, uh, but it says this, hear the word of the Lord. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you foolish prophets who follow their own spirit. Notice it's not the spirit of God. This is coming from you, right? And have seen what? Nothing. Notice the exclamation point. Your prophets, O Israel, like jackals among ruins. You've not, you have not gone up to the breaks in the wall to repair it for the house of Israel so that it will stand firm in the battle on the day of the Lord. In other words, what have you done pr- profitable for these people? right? You haven't told them the truth. You're making this stuff up. You're not even telling them what they need to hear for their own benefit to strengthen them, right? And he goes on. He says this, their visions are what? False and their divinations are what? A lie. They say the Lord declares. Now, you know what the modern term is? God told me. God told me I had a dream, right? But same thing. And they say the Lord declares when what? The Lord has not sent them. Yet, they expect their words to be fulfilled, Anybody having Veja do right now? Yeah, it sounds really familiar today, doesn't it? Have you not seen false visions and utter lying divinations when you say, the Lord declares, though I have not spoken, God says? So here, here comes the rebuke. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Because your false words and lying visions, I'm against you, declares the sovereign Lord. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will not belong to the council of my people or be listed in the records of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the sovereign Lord. Because they lead my people astray, saying what? Peace when there is what? No peace. If you're familiar with the charismatic lingo, every single year, the statement typically comes out, this is the year. God's gonna, it's a new wave of the spirit of God. This is the year. It's happening this year. This is a new thing. It's a new thing. Every year, it's a new thing. Everything, this is supposed to be the breakout year, the thing, the, same thing. They're calling out peace. Hey, peace, it's gonna be great. It's awesome. When there is no peace. Everything's crumbling around. You guys are supposed to be there preaching the word of God for their own edification and you're out there playing games, tell them everything's fine when it's not. 
Same thing that God rebuked these guys. And he says they, they, they're saying peace when there is no peace and because, uh, and, and because when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it up with whitewash, right? Same thing. There's major problems going on. You guys are just like, ah, oh, no, don't worry about that. There's a new thing going on, right? And he goes on. And he says, therefore, tell those who cover it with whitewash that it's going to fall. Ruin will come in torrents, and I will send hailstones hurtling down, and violent winds will burst forth. When the wall collapses, will not people ask you, where's this whitewash you covered it with? Right? I thought you said this was supposed to happen this year, and this is going to what happened? Same thing, folks, that's going on today. Certainly what you're seeing in the charismatic movement. And believe it or not, certainly the same thing is going on with this guy in the Assemblies of God, Mr. Benny Hinn. Okay, so with that as a, an intro, let's take a look at where we left off last time with Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn's real name is Tufik Benedictus Hinn, right? Right, so uh, how many guys, uh, when you go shopping, you don't get one, you get two fics. No, it's Tufik Benedictus Hinn, hence Benny Hinn. Okay, he's an Israeli, quote, televangelist. Okay, let me throw up his picture there. Uh, Israeli televangelist known for his, quote, miracle crusades or healing crusades. Okay, uh, supposed faith healing. He's got a, his worldwide television program, This Is Your Day, that I like to add the tagline, This Is Your Day to be lied to. This Is Your Day to be ripped off. This Is Your Day, unfortunately, shut that off. Okay, uh, he was born in Jaffa, 1952. Now, I'm not gonna go, I'm gonna hit some highlights here because some of this, we already went in detail. I'm just doing a tiny recap and we're gonna continue on. Uh, but he was born in Jaffa, uh, his parents born in Palestine with Greek, Egyptian, and Palestinian and Armenian Lebanese heritage. He was raised with the Eastern Orthodox tradition. Uh, after the 1967 war, uh, they came over into uh, Canada. Okay, uh, some of the stories he tells about his dad and his family, his upbringing, his schooling we saw last time doesn't jive with the facts. That's not a good track record starting out there. But he said that this guy we saw last time was a major influence. Now, Lord willing, tonight... We see him, we're going to look at, if I can get that far, two more influences that he says help shape his, quote, ministry, okay? But this was one. This was a Winston News guy from Canada where uh, Benny Hinn was, okay? And he said that this guy, Noons, deeply impacted him when he, Benny Hinn, was in Toronto. And, quote, he was, Benny Hinn said about this guy, he was one of the most remarkable spirit-led ministers who ever lived. But as we saw, that guy's history, he's one of the ones that helped birth this movement that we're still having to deal with today. We might get into later studies called the Latter Rain Movement. And you talk about, wow, all kinds of false teaching that we're having to deal with today. Things such as Christians can be demonized. Can you be in dwell with a demon? Not at all. And require, of course, deliverance. Uh, uh, that they say that God has restored all the offices of the ministry of the church, including the apostle and prophet. Is that true? No, they say that praise and worship will usher us into God's presence. No, God's omnipresent. He's wherever we go. This ain't like some Indian rain dance. Hey, 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 gotta wait for the rain to come down. Uh, God's with us wherever we go. Okay, but that's part of the formula. Uh, they say that women have full and equal ministry role in the church. Female pastors, things of that nature. Is that true? No, not at all. Uh, they say that these guys are gonna bring in uh, unity in the last days. That's not what I'm saying. Everywhere you go, what happens? <laughs> Splits everywhere. And they also believe that many apostles in this latter rain movement 
they teach what's called the manifest sons of God, which says that it's, these are a special group of, quote, overcomers who will receive spiritual bodies becoming immortal. What? And, and this was the guy, a most spirit-led guy who in Benny Hinn said, man, he was, whoa. But that's just, we're getting started, okay? That's just one guy that uh, Benny Hinn admitted was an influence on him and ex- explains his behavior, okay? But as we uh, saw last time we left off, another person, this is Catherine Kuhlman, okay? Many of his techniques, okay, uh, it, his antics, the way he can, uh, dresses, I'll get to that maybe, uh, how he speaks, the verbiage, even the techniques that's used with music and things to get people kind of in an expectation mode and all the tricks and things uh, was uh, off of her and another person. But this is the first one, this Catherine Kuhlman lady, okay? And uh, the reason why I bring her up is wh- this is where we left off last time. Right, he uh, went to her grave site, also with another person. Right, they're buried in the same uh, grave place. But Amy Simple, okay, McPherson, and we'll get to her hopefully tonight. And she was the founder of another uh, assemblies or not assemblies. Got a charismatic denomination called Foursquare. You guys heard of Foursquare denomination? Okay, this came from this Amy. Now Amy actually came first, then Catherine. But what we're going to see is Benny Hinn. Okay, outside of this noons guy, Benny Hinn really just does a carbon copy. He doesn't even have to reinvent the wheel. He takes a look at these antics of these two ladies that we're going to get into tonight, and he just does what they do. And he modernizes it, if you will, for our times. Okay, but he visited their gravesite we left off last time, both of them, and said that the anoint- he could feel the anointing. Now, how much, last time I checked, uh, how much activity do dead people do? Yeah, it rhymes with none, and because none is the answer, right? And so how's some anointing going to come off of somebody's dead? Okay, number one. Number two, he even said that people have been healed by going to these dead people's graves. That's a bunch of, but what, what you, is this an imagination thing in our text of Ezekiel 13? Yeah, you're making this up, dude. Right? But that's where he left off. So let's, let's take a look then, and let's take a look at number one, Catherine Kuhlman, this next influence on Benny Hinn. The reason why I'm doing this is because you need to understand, when you understand his heritage, you understand why he does what he does today. And if anything, uh, we've seen throughout the cult studies that a lot of these leaders, they're guilty of plagiarism. They don't even come up with this stuff themselves. They rip it off from somebody else. And we're going to see a lot of his techniques come from these two sources, okay? But let's take a look. Who is this Catherine uh, Kuhlman lady, okay? Well, uh, again, we saw the photo there. There she is there. Uh, She was popular for about 40 years, uh, if you will, uh, in the 40s up through 1976 when she passed away. And, of course, she was known for hosting, quote, healing services, right? Because that's a big deal in the charismatic uh, community. And again, can God heal? Yeah, don't have a problem. He can heal anything he wants anytime. But that's not their premise. Their premise is every single time that this person has that same gift of the apostles, they can heal every single time. Uh, that's where we disagree because it's what, not what we see biblically and it's not even what we see from these people. But Catherine Kuhlman was born in Concordia, Missouri to German-American parents. And after, listen to these words, after a spiritual experience at the age of 14. Now that's, that's not my words, that's theirs. Uh, okay, does that mean you got saved? Why didn't you say that? After you became a born-again Christian, after you re- it didn't say it, after a spiritual experience, so at 14. Uh, several years later, she began itinerant preaching. Er, so are women called to be pastors? No, 
So you're already off on a wrong path there. And she did it with her elder sister and brother-in-law in Idaho, and later she was ordained. Double no-no, right? So you're going down a false path from the get-go, okay? And she actually, believe it or not, if you will, pastored a church. Her first, quote, church was in Franklin, Pennsylvania, And here's how it all started, supposedly. One day, some people in her congregation said that they'd been healed while she was preaching. Catherine was astonished. And and when such occurrences became more frequent, she began to preach uh, about faith healing. And before long, she moved from Franklin uh, and she went to Pittsburgh, the big city life, right? And there were ever-increasing crowds flocked to her services. From 1946, she conducted an average of 125 healing meetings per year, right? And Benny Hinn, what's he do? He's got his headquarters there in Florida, but what's the big deal? What's the same thing? He goes out and does these so-called healing people, and people flock to him. I still can't believe it, right? Because they think he's got the power. I can get healed at Benny Hinn's crusade, miracles, you know, same thing. So she was doing this long before he did, and this is where he got a lot of it. Uh, She used the largest halls in the USA. Her healing meetings were attended by about one and a half million people each year, and this was back then. Right? So we may not be familiar with her, but even in our own American history, um, she was very popular at the time. And of course, what spawned that on is because just like the, much of the charismatic movement does today, she got hooked into radio and TV and began to spread out there as well, which I'm not against radio and TV. We use that. Just unfortunately, you're spreading false teaching and things of that nature. And quote, huge sums of money were given. Just like today. But let me give you kind of an outline of these meetings. Here's how it typically, here's a brief sketch of what you would expect if you went to see Catherine Kuhlman after a fantastic organ prelude, because it was organs back then. You know, today we got keyboards, but it was organ. Catherine would appear on stage dressed in a long white robe and everyone would stand up and she would say, how glad I am to have all you here. The Holy Spirit will perform a great work among you. The atmosphere was heightened by an introductory hymn sung by thousands of expectant people. And if you're ever familiar with Benny Hinn, his so-called degree, it's the same exact cookie-cutter formula. Start off with movement and an expectation. God's going to do something. The Spirit is here. He's been there the whole time. But now people are expecting something. It's the same technique, right? So she, she would then suddenly announce, uh, uh, up there in the second row of the balcony, a man has just been healed of cancer. Please come down to the platform. Or a girl in the 17th row has just been healed of a lung disease. And, and the people who had been healed supposedly, came to the platform, Catherine would hold her hands about six inches above the head of each and pray, and then they would fall backwards to the floor. Two attendants would catch them as they fall. Okay, does this sound familiar? It's exactly the same formula that Benny Hinn follows, right? Nothing new under the sun. The people who had been supposedly healed would lay there for 10 to 30 seconds, unconscious on the floor. When they stood up, they would say they had a wonderful feeling, okay? Uh, and uh, so, but let me give you just a little teaser of what you could expect uh, at her uh, so-called healing service. Now, honestly, uh, the, the audio is not necessarily the best, but you hear the kind of organ music they played back in the day. And me personally, man, it sounds like something from a Dracula movie. I wouldn't run to the altar. I'd run out the back door. Okay, but anyway, so it is what it is. This is vintage video, so it's a little bit, you know, not the best quality, but here's, here's what it is. Watch this. I only ask you, forget there's anyone else here. Forget there's anyone else here in this holy sanctuary. Forget there's anyone else here. Take that from him, that for which you have come. 
The very minute that you know that you're healed, the very second that you know, you owe it to him to come and give testimony of that which he has done for you the very second. Don't come forward to be prayed for. Sit there, take it. Nothing, nothing happened. There's been, uh, there's been a cancer healing. While I was preaching, there's been a cancer healing. Where is it? Here comes an empty wheelchair. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. I'm so glad for you, honey. Dear Jesus, I'm so glad for you, the power of the Holy Ghost that has gone through this body. I'm so glad for you. Oh, Donnie, the power that's on you, the power of the Holy Ghost that has gone through this body. Walk across there, go on. Pick up your legs, go on. Pick them up high, honey. Pick them up high, just pick them up high. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Is there any pain in your body at all? Where are you from? Alexandria. Alexandria. Louisiana. Governor, Louisiana. Dr. Clifton Harris sent you. The medical doctor over there has sent you. The doctors are sending their patients. Give the doctor a break, may God. Dear Jesus, I worship you, the power of the Holy Ghost has gone through this body. We give you the praise, we give you the honor. Well, go on, there's nothing wrong with you. Go on, go on. Give her a great big God bless you. Dear wonderful Jesus, every I worship you, every trace of what is this over here? Rheumatoid arthritis, and you're scared death. Come here. Come here through your whole body. How many years have you had it? Eleven, don't cry, honey. Eleven years. But put your arms up. You were healed while I was preaching. Bend over right now. Just bend over. Do everything. You open your hands. Close your hands. You mean you can't believe it? Pick up your legs. Go on higher yet. You can't believe. I can't believe it either. It looks like Benny Hinn in a dress because that's exactly the same techniques he uses. And as we're going to see in a second, these so-called healings, people are being ripped off just like today. Okay. And I'll, I'll expose that in a little bit, but that's her. Okay. Now I will admit I'm the one who put in the Sesame Street Count Dracula thing in there. I could not resist, especially after that one part. Oh, but I did not doctor the music. That was their organ. <laughs> but anyway, but, uh, but anyway, so that's, that's the big influence, okay? Now, she traveled, believe it or not, around the United States and many other countries uh, in these healing crusades, exactly like Benny Hinn today, between the 1940s and the 1970s. And she was, at that time, one of the most, quote, well-known healing ministers. And again, there's your problem. You're, anyway, in the world at that time. Uh, Catherine Kuhlman had a weekly TV program in the 60s and 70s called I Believe in Miracles. Okay, it was aired nationally. She also had a 30-minute nationwide radio ministry that basically focused and 
redid the, you know, what they were going on their healing ministries a lot. Uh, and believe it or not, she uh, received endorsements at that time from people like uh, David Wilkerson and Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith, of course, is the founder of Calvary Chapel. And uh, some people don't realize, and I'm not here to, you know, slap Calvary Chapel per se, but Calvary Chapel uh, does believe in all the gifts of the Spirit, including tongues and speaking in tongues. Uh, in fact, this week, just to verify and make sure I was on the right page, I uh, went to their headquarters site. Uh, and one thing I didn't realize was I knew about the, all the gifts that they believe uh, are in function for today, but I didn't realize that they also believed in a second work of the Holy Spirit as well. So I would respectfully disagree. Uh, with that as well. But back then, she was getting some good endorsements from other other folks, well-known folks. Uh, she goes to LA, uh, and she was uh, uh, friendly with a Christian television pioneer at that time, a guy named Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson, of course, made she made guest appearances on his, at that time, in the 70s, the new Christian broadcasting, CBM, uh, and the 700 Club. Okay, now, if you know anything about that uh, ministry, uh, what is a practice that they typically do? He'll sit there at some point in this, it's supposed to be a news broadcast, but at some point he gets in there and all of a sudden they start praying, him and uh, typically a co-host, and all of a sudden, what's he say? Just like she did on the stage. God, uh, God's telling me right now that somebody just got healed of a toenail infection. Right right now, you're watching on TV, right? And of course, I'm being facetious, but that's what he does. Same thing that she does. And I, I'm going like, uh, I, I don't have any proof for it, but is that where you got that from, Pat? From her, she's the same technique, right? But they call, God told me that somebody right now is being healed, being healed and whatever, and except and then and put your hand on the TV and get your healing. You know. Same thing. So, okay. Now, again, why do I bring this up? Because outside of this Winston Noons guy, this is a major influence upon Benny Hinn. In fact, he actually admits it uh, in this video. Let's take a look at this. Miss Kuhlman has really touched our lives, all of our lives. No one carried the presence of God like she did. The glory of God would walk in literally with her into those amazing meetings. I was about 19 years old when I went to the first Catherine Kuhlman service in Pittsburgh. My life was transformed when she walked on the platform, the presence of Jesus. Uh, it's really hard to explain that part, but so real so tangible. My life was not the same after that moment because I was truly in the presence of God. I think had Moses walked in or Elijah walked in, they would have said this is the same presence they knew when they ministered on the planet. And of course, time after time, we would go to her amazing meetings and it was really life-changing. But I'll never forget one time I want to tell you all about. We took a lady with us from Toronto crippled with arthritis totally, and I mean crippled. Uh, every part of her body was twisted. She was bent over, hunched over, and dear Jim Pointer, who took buses in those days from Canada, had asked me and a gentleman named Al Parachin to help this dear lady up and down the bus. Now, the next morning comes. We go to the Catherine Kuhlman service in Pittsburgh. It was Good Friday, the Syria Mosque. I'll never forget that. We go in, we put her down on the third row. We run around, go up on the balcony because seats were filling up fast and were no seats open for us. So we went up on the balcony where we can see this lady sitting down below. And right before service, she said, now, boys, don't let them see my wheelchair because Catherine never allowed any wheelchairs on the main floor. 
when, when Miss Kuman came on the platform, within minutes, we're looking down, and that lady, who had been twisted with arthritis for years, began to untwist in front of our eyes. Now imagine if this was you. I began screaming on the, on the balcony. I think you'd, you'd do the same. That moment has changed my life forever. So Catherine's ministry, truly the headline is, None had the anointing for miracles like Miss Kuman since the days of the apostles. Uh, really? Don't think so. And notice that after that healing, this lady supposedly being healed, I don't know, maybe, if anything, it would be in spite of what was going on, an act of God's mercy. Uh, but notice he follows it up with, can you imagine that? What was that word we saw in Ezekiel 13? These guys are what? They're just making this stuff up with their imagination, right? I'm sorry, I don't trust anything that comes uh, out of your mouth, okay? But we don't need to imagine because when you take a look at the track record of Miss Kuhlman, not to mention Mr. Hinn, uh, it's a bunch of baloney. And repeatedly, their so-called uh, occurrences of healing, that's guaranteed. In fact, even saying that God's, this is from God and he told me this is real. And it, doesn't, it doesn't work out. Right? Let me give you just a couple quick examples. The most scientific assessment, this is dealing with Catherine Kuhlman, appeared in a Christian magazine entitled back in the day, In Search of a Miracle. Now remember that was the name of her program, I Believe in Miracles. Okay, well, well let's, we're looking for your miracle here. We're trying to verify it. And it was written by a doctor and surgeon from Minneapolis, a guy named Dr. Nolan. He had the addresses and telephone numbers of 82 people in Minneapolis sent to him. And these people had been to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting and had been said to have been healed. Uh, some of them were reported to be sufferers from cancer, multiple sclerosis, and other diseases. So he follows up on those who had supposedly been healed in order to get an accurate account of the whole story. So he's, just, he's a doctor. He should know. And he's trying to, okay, is this really happening? Quote, but, and so he starts off with sharing. He actually attended a meeting too, right? Not just meeting with the people. So before the beginning of a particular meeting, Dr. Uh, Nolan, he's standing near the elevator with uh, the patients that are in wheelchairs, and among them was a man without a wheelchair who was limping very badly. So Dr. Uh, Nolan asked him, do you find it painful to walk? And the man says, yes, I had an operation two years ago, but it did not heal. So now I'm hoping that Catherine Kuhlman will heal me. Notice the emphasis there. It's not on God. It's this supernatural, incredible person who's got this miraculous power. They can do it. And so he said to the guy, the doctor said to the guy, shall I get you a wheelchair? He said, yes, that would be nice of you. So the doctor brings the lame man in a wheelchair and, in which he was taken into the auditorium, okay? And then during the meeting, Catherine calls out into the whole giant hall with all these people, quote, there's a man here with cancer in his hip. You're cured. Your pain is gone. Come down and claim your cure. Whoa, whoa, wait a second there. You're cured. Your pain is gone. Well, then why do I need to come down and claim my cure? Anybody see something wrong with that statement there? But anyway, let's continue. Right, And then she goes, uh, the man in wheelchair, he was embarrassed at the idea of being pushed forward to the platform in a wheelchair, so he stood up and walked slowly down the aisle, right? And so he reaches the stage, and Catherine Kuhlman asks him, whose wheelchair is that? Not yours, surely. And the man said, yes, it is. He didn't want to give it a long explanation, just kept it short. And so she continues, you had cancer in the hip, and now your pain is gone. Is that right? And the man said, yes. 
she says, bend over so everyone can see. Just what we just saw with the, the clip we shared, same technique. And, and, and so he bent over and she says, walk around. So he walks around and she says, isn't the Holy Spirit wonderful? And, uh, and then there was a sound of rejoicing went out through the whole hall and everybody, but quote, afterward, right after this, it was right there. The doctor inquired to this man and nothing had changed in his condition. Nothing. Quote, but in Christian circles, the news was spread everywhere that a man in a wheelchair had been healed. This happens again and again and again and again. Another case uh, was a lady that Dr. Nolan followed up with who supposedly had been cured of lung cancer. And in his words, quote, when I contacted her, a lady named Leona, quote, uh, she said that here's what she told him. I've been back to my doctor and he says, quote, he can't see any change in my x-ray. But this is supposedly you're cured. Claim you're cured. God healed you. It ain't happening. On and on it goes. People after people, he goes through all these people alleged to have been cured of cancer and quote, the result of his investigation was completely negative. Nothing. Not one person. In fact, I found this very interesting. How many guys familiar with Johnny Erickson Tata? Right? And if you know part of her testimony, uh, not only getting saved, but after her accident in the beginning, she went to some of these kind of people thinking, and then eventually to realize that God doesn't do it every time. And of course, she found out that sometimes he does it on purpose because he's got something higher for you, something better, right? Here, this side of heaven. You'll, you'll get a new body like the rest of us, praise God, on the other side, okay? But he works through pain. He works through suffering. He makes beauty out of ashes. God can do that, right? And uh, so she actually, I found this out, she actually went to Catherine Kuhlman during that stage, and she admits, what a bunch of sick baloney. Watch this. This is her interview. We flipped on the bedside television, and there was an advertisement. Catherine Kuhlman was coming to Washington, D.C. How many of you here remember her? Catherine Kuhlman, yeah. Well, for those of you who might not, she was like um, her Benny Hinn of the day, okay? Well, my sister and I got into the station wagon, and we got to the Washington Hilton Ballroom early. We wanted to have a good seat. We were escorted, however, over to the wheelchair section, where I was sitting with a number of people, crate cutches, canes, walkers, wheelchairs. We all waited in anticipation. The lights dimmed, a spotlight came on the stage, and there comes Miss Coleman, sweeping out onto the stage in her long white gown. And with a crescendo of organ music, there are songs and hymns and... And before you know it, after some time, the spotlight moves to the far corner of the ballroom. And we can tell something's going on over there, like people are getting healed. Are they getting healed? Are they getting healed? And so we're just waiting for the spotlight to come on the wheelchair section. Like, hey, come over here where all the hard cases are. Before the service ended, ushers came to escort us all out of the wheelchair section and to the elevator so as to not clog the hallways. And I could hear the organ music on the other side of the wall still playing as I sat, number 15, in a line of 35 disabled people at the elevator. We were all very quiet. And I looked up and down that line and I thought to myself, something is wrong with this picture. Yeah. 
Man, that's sad. What's also sad is, of course, she obviously follows Jesus, and God still to this day is doing a, a great work through her. But there's some people that go to these meetings, and after that kind of a letdown, they get mad at God. What kind of a God? Why didn't you? I am. And these people in their imaginations, ripping people off, leading people astray, you're going to stand accountable to God on that. That's just, that's sad. I mean, it's bad enough these people are suffering, man. And you do stuff like that, ooh-wee. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's not just false, fake healings, okay? Uh, Catherine Kuhlman, because again, the premise is, with the charismatic community, God told me to tell you. God gave me a word to tell you. And once you're out the word of God, what happens? Enter false teaching, all kinds of it. And uh, of course, she was full of it as well. Catherine Kuhlman, uh, not only with false teaching, but her behavior, right? Uh, these people that go to these, has these means like Benny Hinn and these word faith guys, it, uh, do, do scandals seem to follow them? Not only what they do with the money, but their behavior, their hypocritical lifestyle or sinful lifestyle. I mean, some of the guys we've already seen and ladies we've already seen, yeah. Same thing with her, folks. It's a repeated behavior. Catherine Kuhlman committed open and unrepentant adultery. Uh, she became involved in an affair with a married evangelist, Burroughs Waltrip. Uh, there is evidence, including many eyewitness reports, that she was involved with him as far back as 1935. And it wasn't just that. Listen to this. He left his wife and two young children and married Catherine a few years later, 1938. Uh, this was something she never considered a sin, although obviously the Bible says it is. Okay. In fact, listen to this. Here's how she covers it up. Kuhlman had a personal prophecy, obviously a false prophecy, to validate what she just did, validate adultery. Right? She literally said that this new life of this guy, okay, that, quote, God had revealed a new plan. Well, obviously that wasn't God because he's not going to contradict himself. Right? You're an adulteress. You committed adultery. Okay? Uh, according to her, it was God's revelation that she take a married man away from his wife and children. That's what, that's what she's saying. That God's revealed, you got to be kidding me. She also had an unbiblical, unrepentant divorce. Guess what? That relationship didn't last. So she only committed adultery with this guy, but both her and Waltrip separated in 1946, but she never publicly recanted for her prophetic declaration that her marriage was according to God's desire. So now you see the conundrum? The first one, you try to whitewash it. Oh, wasn't that a word we saw in Ezekiel? You try to whitewash it and say, well, God's revealed a new plan. That's why I'm committing adultery. Well, that ain't from God. So you, but you try to placate people like, hey, that's kind of not good. You ran off with a guy, he ditched his wife and kids. That's not really Christian-like. And, but God told me, right? Well, then you turn around, you guys get divorced. I thought you said God told me this was the, you see how it falls downhill, right? Uh, then she lied to cover it up. Listen to this. She repeatedly lied, lied, repeatedly lied and tried to cover up this part of her life, never repenting, according to her official biography, when questioned by reporters about this adulterous and then divorce, she would make statements like, and I quote, we were never married. I never took my marriage vows, she said, her eyes flashing. Do you know what happened, she says? I'll tell you what happened. I fainted passed out completely. I tell you, right before I would, took my vows. What? You got to, really, that's your thing. That's how you're going to escape it now because right before you said, I do. Oh. 
Liar, liar, you've got to be kidding me. Pants on fire. Then, of course, you're starting to see a pet. Remember, this is an influence to Mr. Hen. She also has shady financial practices because there's a lot of money in these crusades. All right? So again, he follows in that footstep too. She lived a rich and lavish lifestyle. She had serious financial allegations against her that were settled privately and secretly. Don't want bad press. Her official biography reports her buying dresses, modern equivalent of $5,000 each. We've seen video clips that Hen does the same thing. All right, goes in, down in Beverly Hills and buys these suits and stuff. Uh, she had, this is back in the day, a $750,000 jet. Back in the day, that was back in that day. It's like, man, just like today, okay? And uh, with all this money donated from Crusades is where it was coming from. And then she was even sued by Paul Bartholomew, who was her personal administrator, who claimed she kept one, this is back then, she kept $1 million in jewelry and $1 million in fine art hidden away. He sued her for $430,500 for a breach of contract. And you're supposed to be this great godly woman. You shouldn't be a preacher anyway, but you're supposed to be this prophet. And, and God told me, and you're this gift. And, and nobody had an anointing like her. Uh, an anointing that's not from God. Maybe an anointing of the flesh. Uh, anointing of the world, but not from God. And again, uh, over and over again, uh, they. Uh, over, I can give you more examples uh, of the healings. Uh, medical doctors showed up, uh, uh, showed zero true healings uh, in the long run. Uh, it, it, but, but again, these people were claimed not just to be healed, but were supposedly confirmed by Kuhlman's prophetic word. So it wasn't just she said it. She said, God told me to tell you that you're healed. So, so again, back to our Ezekiel 13, what do he say? You're saying things that what? I never told you to say. And God's got strong words for those people, man. And they, they give one example. I'll give you one more example. One example is a woman who was said to have been cured of spinal cancer, threw away her brace, ran across the stage at Kuhlman's command. Her spine collapsed the next day and she died four months later. I'll use this word. That's sick. That is sick. That she would do this to people and then you and I face heat when even the secularists look at this and go, come on, what are you doing here? Right? But obviously, not just false teaching, she claims to be a prophet. Well, guess what happens? Same thing with Benny Hinn, we'll get into Lord One later. She makes false prophecies. Here's just one example. On tape, she says it in her day, saying that in her day, that was going to be the last youth generation, which is not true. But let's take a look at her false prophecy recorded in action. Let's take a look. I received a divine revelation that I had never received before. And that's the reason my message to you this morning is so important. Because things are happening. Young people, things are happening. And they're happening so quickly. That's the reason I feel it's so important that you might understand that he might use you in these closing moments of this dispensation. I had said for a long time, and I believe it was every atom of my being, I believe or remember something in this hour of great restoration. Everything that happened in the early church is being restored to the church now. Everything. And it's happening so very quickly. It's happening so fast. 
I believe that this is the very last youth generation before the Great Tribulation. I believe that. I've got to believe it, knowing the word of prophecy as I do. This is the last youth generation before the Great Tribulation. Sitting here in this assembly this Monday morning, face it, face facts, face God, face reality, face truth. You young people sitting here are the last youth generation in this dispensation. As we saw before in Deuteronomy, when you come across a false prophet, which is not even function for today, but just to play that game, what are you supposed to do? Well, yeah, back in the day, you stone them, which again, we have to, with today's drug culture, you got to clarify, it's with rocks, they're dying, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm kidding you, you'd be surprised. Uh, but yeah, so, yeah, and, and, and shut them off. But they keep getting the free pass and get away with this. And they keep falling, listening to these people. Right? Now, I don't know if you caught the little phrase there. She says, I believe with every fiber of my being. Right? Guess who also says statements like that? Same thing if you're paying attention to, to Benny Hinn. Same thing, folks. Nothing's new on the sun. He just did carbon copy with her and the other lady uh, as well. But she taught many other unbiblical things, uh, obviously, because she's outside the word of God. God told me to tell you the scenario. Uh, many of her teachings obscured, obviously, traditional Christian teachings about Jesus. Uh, replacing the cross with mystical ideas about spirituality. She often focused solely on uh, spiritual things instead of traditional biblical uh, thinking. She coined some of the terminology that later would be turned into what is called slain in the spirit today. She also taught, quote, faith is that quality or power by which things desired become the things possessed, right? So basically, you got faith, you can get whatever you want. That's why some, uh, some articles I read on her, people call her the, the great-grandmother or great-great-grandmother of the word of faith baloney that's going on today. So again, nothing new in the sun. Uh, her version of faith is not the biblical version of faith. Uh, this is the way mystics teach their pupils to attain magical powers by using strong personal psychic faith power to, quote, force things to happen. The occult does that as we saw before. So does Hinduism and all that stuff. We've already been through that. And shocker, this is also another thing that you pay attention to the charismatic movement. They're into the ecumenical movement. They can't, we all just get along, including these entities that are not Christians and that's called the Catholic community. Okay. She was very prominent in promoting oneness between so-called Protestants uh, and Catholics. She spoke to Pope Paul at that time and said, quote, when I met Pope Paul, there was a oneness. Well, I guess she'd have some unity there. False teaching, false teacher. But that's not what she's trying to say, right? For Kuhlman, listen to this. Christianity was not explicitly defined by the Bible. Wow, there's the big problem, right? Instead, it was experiential in nature. And any who shared the experience, regardless of the theology, were in unity with her. 
And this is the person that influenced Benny Hinn. But here's what's surprising. These people that say you're guaranteed perfect health, perfect wealth. I believe in miracles. God's got a healing for you. You just need to claim it, sow a seed. Guess what happens eventually to everyone? Not only do they, their face slides off and they have to go to the hospital too, um, they die. And this is her death. 1955, actually when she was still in her late 40s, Kuhlman was diagnosed with a heart problem. What's the matter? You didn't have enough faith? Were you having a faith crisis there? Didn't you sow enough seed? I mean, at least sow a seed in your ministry. It's supposed to work. Then, in 1975, 20 years later, uh, the doctor noticed it began to flare up. In November that year, she had a relapse. She goes in for open heart surgery in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stop right there. Why are you going to the hospital? I mean, man, if all these people are getting healed, wheelchairs, crutches, all this stuff, just lay hands on yourself. Do your thing. Play some music. Whatever you do, right? And then do your own thing. What are you doing? Is that a really wise steward? I mean, because you, you had a medical bill. You could have avoided that. You could have used that money for missions. Obviously, I'm being facetious. But she goes to surgery, open heart surgery in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for which she did not recover. She died. February 20th, 1976. And she was interned at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park Cemetery in Glendale, California, which we saw last time where Benny Hinn said he went there and felt her anointing and people get healed over her dead body in the ground. That's one of the people outside of Mr. Noons who's given birth to the latter rain movement, which is not good, that Benny Hinn said is a major influence. And we saw that video. He admitted it, right? The next one he's going to talk about is like a triple cocktail. Okay, this is not good. Is another lady called Amy Simple McPherson. Now, again, this lady actually predates Catherine, but I wanted them to do in this order. Okay, Catherine Kuhlman, basically popular in the 40s and uh, through the 70s until she died. We just saw that. Amy Simple McPherson, probably the heydays, you're looking at the 20s through about, you know, the war years, about the 1945 or so uh, around that time frame. But she, again, the same tactics. Uh, I often wonder, I don't have proof for it, but maybe Catherine got some of her antics from Amy, kind of passing the torch, and then Benny Hinn looks at both of them, and that's what he comes up with, what he does. But again, she is part of another denomination. We're still in Assemblies of God, but technically, she's the one who birthed another popular charismatic denomination called Foursquare, okay? The Foursquare Church, openly uh, Pentecostal. But the question is, why do they call themselves Foursquare? So you're talking about four square meals a day or what's going on with that? Well, praise God for Bob's watch. It tells me there's no way we're gonna get close to covering that. We'll have to deal with that one next time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. 
The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven? On your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus, so that we can now have a relationship with God, both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed. The judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty. Uh, you even admit you're guilty. And uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done. You can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy 
the person who has the authority can give them a pardon and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you could be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.